0: The Money Cafe is brought to you by Eureka Report, your one-stop shop for all things finance. To sign up for your free 15-day trial, head to eurekareport.com.au. Now it's time to enjoy today's episode.
1: Hello, I'm Alan Kohler. Founder of Eureka Report, finance presenter on the ABC News and columnist for The New Daily.
0: And I'm Stephen Mayne, one of Alan's contributors at Eureka Report, founder of Lachlan Murdoch's favourite website, Crikey.com, shareholder activist and City of Manningham councillor. There we are. The, the Money, Money Cafe. Cafe. You can hear uh, the rain on the roof.
1: Bit of rain on the roof, yeah. Um, so apparently uh, a bit of news this morning, bid for Blackmoors from a beer company.
0: Yes, beer company. So, Alan Bond's former beer company, Bond, the old Bond Brewing, which is, uh, you know, 2E's for and Forex and Swan and West End. Um, West End. West, End.
1: West End is the world's worst beer. <laughs>
0: South Australia, yes. It's shocking. SA Brewing. Yes, no, it was shocking. But uh, they uh, were sold years ago to Kirin, the Japanese brewing giant and conglomerate, and today Kirin has agreed to pay $1.9 billion, uh, $95 a share, for Blackmore's. The vitamins company, so...
1: Is that the, much more than they were trading at?
0: Well, last night's close was seventy six seventy nine. So it's So, it's a... It's, I mean, the stock was up at 150 160 when Christine Holgate was the CEO until she left in 2017. They had this sort of China boom, clean, green, Aussie mineral um, vitamins and stuff. But look, it's a modest premium. Marcus Blackmore, whose name's on the door, he's been fighting with the board from the outside, throwing rocks, running candidates for the board. It's been a dysfunctional family. He's put his 18% into play and he's agreed to sell, and the board's agreed too. So it's a done deal. Right. That's it. Another Aussie icon disappears. You know, it's, why don't we have a Kirin? There's no, there's no Australian listed conglomerates, maybe West Farmers, but that's it.
1: Most of them, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know why. Um, uh, Australian investors, super funds in particular, don't like conglomerates because they want to be conglomerates themselves. They want to do the investing in individual yeah. businesses. Yeah, correct. And, and they force uh, demergers,
0: which then lead to takeovers.
1: And I remember when, when uh, West Farmers bought coals, uh, Richard Goiter, who was running the place at the time, told me that uh, their biggest concern was that they would lose their conglomerate (laughs) license because they they were too retail focused. That's right. So he, I mean, and he regarded, he saw it as having a license from the super funds to be a conglomerate, Yeah, uh, which um, they didn't lose really. I mean, they did become a retailer, like 80 or 90% retailer, but uh, they kind of kept their conglomerate license and uh, and then got out of coals and, you
0: know. But it is sort of weird how they got out of coal mining, but bought coals. Uh, Now they're getting into lithium. So they're sort of a bit of a strange conglomerate because they're still Bunnings Plus, you know, but, uh, but I don't know. I just wish there were a few more good old-fashioned conglomerates, but they all just demerge and then they get taken over after demerging because the inside just to say the market gives you a discount because you're a conglomerate. So where's the takeover premium? Because no one ever bids for a conglomerate because no conglomerate buys a conglomerate except when Ad i.e. IEL bought Adsteam, you know, years ago it was the last time that ever happened. But anyway, now that we should move on what about the Murdochs and Fox? Once
1: yeah, all so, take so on all of that. What's uh, you, you must know this? You, you're an insider there. You know these things. Why, why did they sack Tucker, Tucker Carlson? Was it because uh, because there was a, a lawsuit coming for uh, inappropriate behaviour, or was it because he? I mean, I've seen so many different yeah. r- reasons that Tucker yeah. Carlson got sacked. Yeah,
0: well, hard to so know which I, is true. Yeah, well, I think. I mean, Rupert would just be, he's very cold about these things, he's cost me a billion dollars, sack him. So Rupert would have, it's a joint ticket, both Murdochs have agreed. But It wasn't (laughs) just
1: him who cost him a billion dollars. No, but he was,
0: you know, this is terrible, who is going to hold to account, you know. And then Lachlan is super sensitive for talent who don't lick his boots. He's got a massive ego, Lachlan. So some of those emails showed, you know, Tucker disrespecting management and blah, blah, blah. So I think that Lachlan's probably gone, you're not, you're not paying homage to me. I want to tell the world that I'm in charge, so I'm going to sack their biggest guy and make them all suck up to me. And then he was doing stupid things like being an apologist for Putin and bagging the Ukraine action. So well, being a white supremacist, downplaying January 6th. So he was out of control editorially as well. And so thank God the Murdochs are being a tiny bit responsible by decapitating their most irresponsible
1: uh High-profile broadcast. I read one, but I read one convincing piece that said uh, Tucker Carlson's replacement will be worse.
0: Well, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I think Tucker Carlson is is he's an evil genius, and I, I think he will be uh, potentially Trump's vice presidential running mate. Oh, uh, he's oh a, really? Yeah, yeah. And no, I think that's that's seriously on the cards. So um, Jesus, uh, he's very okay. powerful and very smart. So uh, scary guy. Now, um, I just want to cover off a couple of AGMs, Alan, because uh, Energy Resources Australia, the uranium miner, um, are having their AGM at 11 o'clock this morning in Darwin. So it's meant to be starting in 45 minutes. And Rio Tinto better hurry, 86%. Now, but this is the thing. It's a physical AGM. They've got 10,000 retail shareholders, and they're telling us we have to fly to Darwin to attend.
1: Oh, it's not online. It's no, not- it's
0: not online. They're hopeless. So I've got 10 shares, and uh, and they're currently doing... Uh, they're doing a $369 million capital raising, which is a five for one at two cents. So they're issuing 18.5 billion new shares because Rio Tinto wants to get their $100 million loan repaid and they've got to raise more money to clean up the Ranger mine, the, 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 the closed uranium mine called Ranger inside Kakadu, which closed in 2021 and it's going to cost $2 billion to rehabilitate. And there's been a massive fight about the Jabaluka deposit nearby, which the ERA directors got a valuation saying it was worth $1.25 billion. And Rio Tinto was saying, no, no, we're never going to mine it because the Mirror people are against it. And after jerk and gorge, we're not going to do anything to upset the Indigenous owners. So Rio Tinto is just, shut Ranger, clean it up, shut the company, never develop Jabaluka. And the ERA board is an independent shareholder saying, no, 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 Jabble Luca's worth something, sell it to someone who will try and persuade the mirror people after 25 years of opposing it to develop this nearby new uranium mine. So there's lots of issues to
1: discuss. So is, but is ERA worth anything at all?
0: Well, the shares are at four cents. So the market cap is currently 150 million. They're raising 369 million. They're putting up three new independent directors today, including Ken Wyatt, the former just resigned Liberal Indigenous oh, right. spokesman, and and his second cousin Ben Wyatt is on the Rio board. So Rio has been at war with the independent directors at ERA, and so the ERA board has been very smart and said, let's let's appoint an an Indigenous respected politician. And Rio won't be brave to sack him. So we can keep our few little independent directors
1: while... So what are they going to do with $369 million?
0: Well, they, they, they pay back Rio's $100 million loan and then they put it into the clean-up cost for, for Ranger because it costs $2 billion to clean up uranium mine to restore it to pristine Kakadu-like um, environment because it's, it's within Kakadu, but it's, it's ring-fence. It's like a donut. And so they want to return it to just like Kakadu and that's going to cost $2 billion. To restore them. And Rio is trying to keep their social license to keep making 10 billion a year out of iron ore. So they're throwing the kitchen sink at being a good corporate citizen in ERA. And meanwhile, other people are saying, well, why don't you dig up the uranium at Jabaluka? That's worth 1.2 billion. Rio's going, Indigenous people don't like it. We're never going to touch it. (laughs) Great story. Just wish I could flog flog them with a few online questions, but they've uh, shut the gate on that, unfortunately. So instead I'll be going to the Pepper Pepper Money AGM at 2pm today, which is a virtual. It's a dud KKR float at $2.70 and it's gone down to $1.30. And yesterday we had the Latitude Financial Group float, another dud KKR float, which was floated at $2.50. And now, it's float at $2.60. Now it's $1.30. So two non-bank financial providers floated off by KKR and they've halved. And the lesson is... Never, Don't touch anything. Never buy anything that <laughs> okay. private equity is selling.
1: No, that's right. Well, that was true of Myers too. Oh,
0: that was the worst, yeah.
1: That was the worst. But there's been
0: so many over
1: the years. So, um,
0: and yeah. we're Woodside tomorrow, which will be big, big climate protests and uh, oh, yeah. will they do Scarborough or not? And that's a hybrid. So You're going to ask, gonna ask some f- questions? Yeah. you got any shares? Yeah, I've got my, got my 10 shares in Woodside, so I'll be able to f- fire a few in because there's quite a few companies. I've got a list of companies here who are, I asked online questions last year and now they are refusing to provide hybrid this year. So this includes... Center, oh, so it's all your fault? Oh, is it? Centre Group, Latitude, GPT, Santos, <laughs> Aristocrat, Dicker Data, MA Financial, Appen, TPG Telecom and Costa Group. All of them, I asked probably 10 online questions last year and they're not offering online this year. They're just so thin-skinned. Well, maybe I was being a bit over the top with too many
1: questions. I don't know. Oh, I find that hard to believe, Stephen. Anyway, <laughs> anyway.
0: Now, what about the inflation?
1: Oh well, uh, look. Uh, um, uh, look, the main the main thing is what I was talking about on the news last night was the fact that we've got these re- we've got this ridiculous situation of having quarterly CPI and monthly CPI, uh, which are both which are different. So the 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 quarterly CPI showed an inflation rate of seven percent. The monthly CPI so shows an inflation rate over the 12 months of 6.3%. For the quarter, so I actually added up, I looked at what the monthly has done over the past three months and it's increased by 0.9%. The quarterly CPI of the past quarter is up 1.4%, massive difference. And so, and the difference is that uh, there are fewer things counted in the monthly CPI because the ABS hasn't got the money to count everything every month. <laughs> That's the problem. So uh, other countries have a monthly – just ha- all they have is a monthly CPI, right? The America just has a monthly CPI. Yeah. But the uh, ABS hasn't got enough money to do that. So what it does is it counts everything every quarter and then about half the things on a monthly basis because it hasn't got enough money. So uh, I think we need to, what we need to have in the, in the budget next week or whatever it is, two weeks' time, is a bit of an allocation to the ABS so we can have a, a proper full – monthly CPI. Mm. Because at the moment, we've got two inflation rates. I mean, what the hell is it? 63
0: or 7%. Yeah, and, and the thing I'm most worried about is all those uh, HECS help debts. 74 billion of them are going to get indexed on June 30 in a one-off indexation of what? Is it 63 or 7 Anyway, it's going to be high. And we're talking with our kids about, you know, do we just try and pay off as much as we can before June 30 so you don't have this sudden... One soft annual 7% increase in your debt to the government. I think parents all over the country will be looking at
1: this with their kids. I think it's shocking. I yeah. the
0: government, the budget should actually come out and just say, nah, it's only going up 3%. Just like in Victoria, the Andrews government has said rate capping this year for councils is 3.5%. So they've just come in and gone, no, we're we'll not letting you do inflation, we're we'll only letting you do 35 So So the government should go easy on the students of Australia sure. and
1: not flog them a 7% more.
0: increment on their debt. We should do some questions, Let's Alan. get
1: into questions. We've got too many, as usual. They're just mounting up these questions. But anyway, uh, Anonymous says, um, firstly, Alan, get it, great recruitment getting Stephen on the podcast. He's wildly entertaining and insightful. Uh, I would have I said he's entertainingly wild.
0: Anonymous is my mum, I think.
1: Oh, I see, right. Okay. <laughs> I wrote that for
0: him. No, no,
1: no. Anyway, all. in a hypothetical situation scenario, you have a 30-year-old son with a growing family. He has come to you for advice with the following. Dad, what should I do? One – Option one, buy a cheaper house to live in, in a desirable... A less desirable. A less desirable location, but be able to keep an investment property in another suburb. Or option two, buy a house, buy a pricier house in a more desirable suburb to live in, presumably, with no investment property due to higher repayments. And, uh, uh, well, uh, hypothetically, general advice only, this is not personal advice because we don't even know who you are, let alone anything about you. Uh... The um, thing about investment properties is you've got to pay capital gains tax tax, and, um, yeah, you can negatively gear, but really uh, the best thing to do is to buy the best house you can live in. I reckon always buy the best house you can live in. I would say, son, if you can buy your
0: forever home and keep your investment property, you're in the top 10%. You're doing extremely well. So I would be uh, talking to the better half, who I think would prioritise the, for, the forever home. So I would be cashing out your investment property provided you get a good price and don't trigger a massive tax bill because uh, you don't want to go overweight residential property with leverage if you're suddenly going deep into buying your forever house and keeping your investment property you're you're 100 property with leverage you've got no bonds no, no diversification so yeah i would go with the, the one decent house and just pay off the mortgage and, and yeah right. go from there yeah absolutely Paul says, One thing I've noticed with all the talk on wage rises and inflation is that the after tax rate is never mentioned in reports. So even if you had a pay rise that matched inflation, if you're an average income earner, a third of that rise would be taken in tax. So your pay would still be going backwards in real terms. Do you know why this never seems to be reported? Shouldn't pay rises be above inflation on average in the long term to maintain living standards? Well, great point. And another group of people who should be complaining about this is executives of public companies whose salaries are reported in pre-tax terms when the profits they deliver are reported in after-tax terms. So the CEO of BHP is not earning $10 million a year. He's taking home $6 million a year because he's paying $4 million a year in tax. But no-one ever mentions the tax that these fat cat CEOs get paid.
1: Isn't he paid in the Cook Islands? No, no.
0: Not at all. That's very cynical. You're putting on your green left weekly hat again. <laughs> the global conspiracy, the, the plutocracy running the world, they're all on the Cook Islands, even the CEO of our most venerable company. Come on. Mike Henry is a decent upstanding citizen. He should be paid more than ten million a year.
1: Jesus what really?
0: do you, so what do you think about this this idea of I mean, we've just had the biggest real cuts in wages in a decade. You know, it's like it's savage because of inflation and and it's right that people are paying a truckload of tax as well but you can't have a wages spiral yeah, well, because just... everyone's on
1: a different tax rate you know and everyone's yeah. got different tax circumstances you can't possibly yeah. Yeah. you can't possibly generalize so of no. course everyone just gives the you know average or median gross wage because yeah. it's it's simpler not it? you can you can't do otherwise actually
0: good answer alan
1: uh, kai says yeah. in the current bond market the US 2-year treasury bond yield is 4.2% australian two-year Treasury bond yield is 3.2%. Why on earth are some stupid investors still buying Japanese government two-year bonds at minus 0.05%? Yes, minus 0.05%. Are they expecting the Japanese official interest rate to be cut in the near future? Why not just hold their money in a US Treasury bond? Is that right? Have you, did you check that out? Because I haven't checked it out. Is it is that their current bond rate?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the, the bond rates are right, and the answer is, is that – The the bond rate tends to be, particularly the shorter you go, quite close to the official rate in the country because that's the government setting the official rate. So why does anyone buy Japanese government bonds which are negative? Well, it's mainly Japanese investors because they've got quite a nationalistic sort of investment system and all their big banks and insurance companies are encouraged to hold government bonds. Um, But you've also got to take into account currency risk and also... Uh, the value of the bond, because if all of a sudden you buy US Treasury bonds like Silicon Valley Bank, and all of a sudden the price of the bonds falls by 10 or 20%, which is what happened, then you've lost your shirt as well. So you don't just look at the yield, you look at the prospect of the bond holding its value. And Japanese bonds are very highly valued and are not likely to crash in value when they're only yielding... Well, they've got a negative yield. Jordan,
1: there's some question that's repeated a a, twi- a tweet of yours. Shall we ask that? Yeah, Jordan's asking about. I've done a
0: tweet saying Perth-based Brookside Energy has a market cap of 65 million, but its shares are trading at 0.1 cent. Why don't these outfits do a share consolidation, such as a 100 for one? And the answer is well, that's why I posed that question on Twitter because. It's ridiculous how many companies are trading at below one cents and issuing billions of dollars of new shares, just like ERA and Rio Tinto earlier. Um, I think there should be a rule that once your stock price falls below two cents, you have to do a consolidation of 100 for one or 10 for one to get it back up. Because it's ridiculous that ERA is now going to have 22 billion dollars, 22 billion shares at two cents. I mean, just... Just do a hundred for one and make it 220 million shares, at you know whatever it is.
1: So yeah, I agree. I agree. So, uh, will you write to the a- ASX on those lines? I'll warn the fewer. I'll fire. warn the Fuhrer about You've, this one. You fire off letters all the time. Yes, Good. yes,
0: yes. Mad emails late at night. So I'll 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 take that one up.
1: Tim says, uh, would there have been an RBA review? Without Governor Lowe's interest rates will stay low until 2024 statement. If not, it seems Governor Lowe did us all a small favour with his infamous comment. Uh, I think there probably would have been. Uh, yeah, you know, oppositions the,
0: love to promise big reviews when they come in. Like Peter Costello from opposition talked about the independent yeah. monetary policy. So
1: and and uh, that, that that comment by Lowe. Uh, Philip Lowe uh, did provide the review panel with something to chew on. Yes, quite a bit to work with. And they actually revealed something. They got a scoop in the review, which was that uh, when Philip Lowe revealed that statement in October 2020 in a speech, he hadn't told the board. (sighs) They actually revealed that in the review. He was
0: freelancing. The executive chairman was freelancing without board authorisation. He He didn't run it past the board. That's sackable.
1: That's what I said in my
0: column. But only the treasurer effectively can sack. So the the board can't sack it. The board can't. A board, it's all about hiring and firing the CEO, but the RBA board can't do it. That's right. It's all politics. Because we also had a question later on, which we probably won't get to, about um, where do I go to get a good financial planner? Uh, You know, who do I trust and who do I interview? And and I put this out there on Twitter and someone came back with a really good reply, which was, well, the chief financial planner for the nation was Governor Lowe. But he gave terrible financial advice about people's home loans and so the the nation is now looking for a financial planner in chief to replace
1: Governor Lowe with his interest rate folly. pay that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rose, would you rather be a rental tenant... Looking to move home in this current rental crisis market, or a homeowner with a variable rate mortgage that has passed their buffer after the last ten rate hikes? P.S. You guys are great. So, great guy, what do you reckon? Uh, oh, oh. you want to be part of the landed gentry in all circumstances, wouldn't you, Alan?
1: Oh, I think you need to be. A, I think you need to own a home, sure. You know, because uh, the problem is. You know, when you get to retirement age, if you if you haven't got if you don't own your house, then you're in trouble, really. Correct.
0: Yes. So you don't want to be homeless, and you can't be homeless when you own a home. And the home can be sold. A lease agreement can't be sold. No, it's just a, <laughs> a temporary right of access payment. So even when Keating had interest rates at seventeen percent in 1990. And people were squealing then, you'd still rather have been a homeowner, I think. I mean, the last thing you want to do is you don't want to get bankrupted by overpaying at the top of the market and then go to negative equity and getting cleaned out by your bank. So that's the only circumstance where you don't want to own a home, where you drop six figures on the capital and get forced to sell by the bank, and then you're out in the street with negative equity, and then you've got to rent.
1: Anyway, um, Stephen says. Steven says, not great you. Great name.
0: Thank you for the informative and enjoyable podcast each week, Alan. Which of your ABC news charts has been a your favourite, and b received the most reaction, attention, response? Now, my favourite was when you compared the price of apples and oranges. Um, but have you fun. got any other favourites, Alan? Or what we gonna, can can. Give us some insight into this dark world of how you find all these famous graphs. Did you
1: see – I can't remember my – look, a few of the – charts often get a big reaction. So, yeah, I mean, I can't remember any specifics. But uh, did you see my last night one, Stephen? Not yet, Alan. So, it was my birthday yesterday.
0: 71 today. Yesterday. Yesterday.
1: (laughs) Um, So, I had a chart of the All Ordinaries Index since April the 26th, 1952. (laughs) my birthday the day i was born and i said that i said that the uh, the compound annual growth rate of the all ordinaries has been since that date 6.3% per annum right and then i said um, that if my parents instead of buying the fx holden for 200 pounds in 1952 had bought the if they put if they'd put that 200 pounds into the market for me, I then calculated what that would be mean, and it would be now $38,000, so I'd be able to buy a Toyota Camry. So that's, not, so pati- I expe- that's not particularly
0: good performance, is it really? Well, it shows
1: it? that the price of cars have gone up at about the same rate as the and share market. the share market has, yeah. And so I, and I, I thought, I, I expected when I did the calculation that I'd It'd be able be to a buy much- a Rolls-Royce.
0: Yes, yes. So but in fact... Yeah, so it's a, it's a
1: Toyota. Cam- it's got it's FX Holden to Toyota Camry. Well, that's you know?
0: that's a very interesting chart. Now, I want to ask you. So, do you wake up every morning and with a blank a blank screen, and you've got no idea what your chart's going to be, or have you got a little back catalogue of ten that you can pull out on a quiet day?
1: Well, I, I have a folder in my emails called charts, yes. right? And I just sweep charts. I put charts in there, hope hoping that I'll you know there'll be a kind of. Uh, a, a bank of charts. It, it doesn't really kind of work out that way. Usually I go back in there and uh, they're no good or they're old and uh, out of date. So, yeah, mostly, most days I wake up chartless. Uh, sometime before lunch, I say to my wife, I'm going on a graph hunt now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How long does that take? I'll
1: see her in half an hour. Oh, so Sometimes it's like an it Easter
0: egg t- hunt, is it? You, you're half yeah, an hour right. hunting, hunting graphs.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I have to poke around, you know, where can I find them? And I look on, our world in data, and I look on data is beautiful. And I look in, I look in all my um, uh, emails from investment banks that have come in that morning.
0: And do you get a few, so you get a few people pitching you charts. Or have you got some favourite sources like a CBA or a particular yeah, well, economist? Yeah, they're, they're
1: always there. Jared I mean, Minak, I tell you what, I tell you who has the best charts, best chart packs, because is Jared Minak. Wow, he's unbelievable. The super bear. Uh, no, he's all right. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a super
0: chartist but
1: he, anyway. He's a super chart guy. He's, um, he's, he's unbelievable anyway. So I can usually rely on Jared to come up with something. But uh, anyway, anyway.
0: you're an, an iconic chart educator of the nation. So uh, now the gambler says, Stephen, I know you rail against gambling and poker machines and casinos. So do I. You recently labelled the star as toxic. With the recent half-year report being 150 pages, it was difficult to work out just how much financial trouble they are in with fines, regulations, proposed increases in pokies taxes, show cause instructions, being sued, CEO board revolving doors. My question, do you think the star will still be on the ASX in five years' time? Well, the star won't go broke because they foolishly recently raised $800 million in fresh equity.
1: Why is that foolish?
0: Because they gave the predatory governments and regulators a huge pile of cash to attack.
1: Oh, I see. So
0: they're should have. they now crying poor. They're saying, oh, we're sacking people and, you know, we're so poor. They should have said to the Queensland and New South Wales government, we're broke and to the banks, we're going to give the keys, you can run a casino unless you don't put these taxes up. You give us more time to pay the fines. You help us sort out the massive overruns on the new Brisbane project. But look, it's a, it's a world of pain. I was talking to someone who would know recently and they said that if Crown Casino was still listed on the stock market today, the shares would be at six bucks. And James Packer got paid $13.10 by Blackstone. So Blackstone have done half their money because the regulatory regime is so tough now for casinos. You can't even smoke... With when you're gambling you can't even give them free drinks in the VIP room it's just gone over the top and meanwhile the pubs and clubs are still getting away with murder and the way they run their poker machines
1: um, Andy says uh, over the page Steve Andy says for the great thanks for the podcast in a previous episode Stephen boasted that Manningham was sitting on $95 million uh, cash uh, ratepayers should be outraged at this why don't you use some of this to pay your librarians also I am one of eight I'm um, only one of eight directors that's loser talk here you can help people, unlike your admirable shareholder activism, where you make bugger all difference. <laughs> Go, Andy! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Also, Alan is right. It is plutocracy, as is the whole OECD. Get rid of regressive taxes. Anyway, uh, come on, Stephen. Well, look,
0: I, I must admit, look, I, you know, our librarians are taking protected action against us at the moment. I think I hinted last week that... Are they, are they on strike? Are no, the on strike? protected action. We're in joint venture with Whitehorse, City of Whitehorse. We've got a two-council two joint venture. What are Whitehorse, they doing? Manning. Well, Whitehorse has got six Liberals on it. It's the most Liberal council in Victoria. They've got 220 million cash in the bank, and they don't want to spend any money. They're so cost-conscious. And so I'm one of eight directors on the board... And as I can say, I simply don't have the numbers. I'm I'm the biggest spending councillor at at Manningham. And last night, I mentioned that that Macedon Square redevelopment, you know, the three and a half million where the baker was attacking us I got rolled 8-1 last night. We've just killed the project. We all got sick of all the abuse and the signs and the attacks. And so the councillors have just gone up, the whole project's killed. So now we've got even more cash in the bank that needs to be spent because we're not going to do a three and a half million dollar upgrade of Macedon Square. Anyway, there would have been a really nice value uplift for, for all the landowners there and a beautiful open space and wider footpaths now. It's not going to happen because we had this feral campaign launched against the council. Anyway.
1: So uh, we've got time for one more question, Stephen. Um, you, can, you can choose which one of our number of quite a few questions remaining that we are not going to get to, well, which one do you want to go for? Well,
0: on the recent, Nat says, on the recent Money Cafe, you were discussing unoccupied dwellings in Australia. This is a huge issue that's not been discussed enough. According to the census, 9.6% of Australian properties were empty on census night. That's over 1 million homes. That's 20 times the current available rental stock. Now, Nat and another questioner go on to basically challenge that number and suggest it's not really a million vacant homes. There's quirks in the census night system with fly-in, fly-out. And and then what policies can we come up with to deal with this record rental increase? So 4.5% in 12, in 12 months, biggest rent rise in a decade. And, yeah, challenging this question is, is there really a million empty homes? Of course not. No, yeah, that's, I agree. That's no,
1: nice. it's, it's, that was one night, right? I mean... Yeah. And and, you know, so what are you going to do? Everyone, all the people who've got a holiday house, you're going to say, You're not allowed to keep that for yourself anymore, you have to rent it out. I mean,
0: no government can. I mean, think of property rights. So, councils can come in there and say, Hey, mate, you can't run your small backyard hairdresser from your house, you can't run a brothel from there, right? But you can't tell someone to run nothing. Like, it's their home, it's their land. If If they want to keep it empty, they can do it. I mean, a few of us put higher rates on vacant lots. and You know, there's a few little things you can do, but I think the best thing is if the feds just go, any extra money you get renting out a spare room is tax-free to temporarily deal with this rental crisis. Oh, and yeah. Well, that's, that, well, would that's, be a good well, that at least is
1: a practical yeah. idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, again, we didn't have a planning application last night at Council. We haven't had one since January of last year. Developers January are not of last building. year. We That's have not had more than 12 months. No planning application coming, ca- coming to council. So they've got to be big enough. They've got to be more than 20 apartments or more than 10 million. So the developers are not building because construction costs are so crazy. So the, the issue is construction and the cost of construction. Um, on on which not, subject? It's not councils not giving permits. It's
1: developers not not turning the sod. Uh, on which subject? Can I invite you to, uh, to watch... The ABC News on Sunday. The ABC News on Sunday. I've got a special... I've got a special program on construction costs in Australia.
0: I hope you're blaming the CFMEU.
1: No, I'm certainly not blaming yeah, anybody. You're I'm just
0: green left weekly again, aren't you?
1: Jeez. No, oh, it's... Uh, well, I mean... No, no, well, it's... Uh, well, maybe it's their fault. I don't know. But I'm not blaming... I'm not attributing blame. I'm just pointing out what's going on. Which is... Horrendous.: Anyway, well I will tune in as everyone else should.
0: Sunday night, Alan's special on the cost of construction.
1: And what's going on with it? Uh, and some graphs, tons of graphs. <laughs> <laughs> Just for something completely different. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to today's episode of the Money Cafe. We'll be back next week with James Thompson, who's returning from his... Hooray
0: holiday. We've done five weeks straight. We have. Getting a bit of a cult following. But uh, anyway, I'm looking forward no, to you getting get a You get a, have a little
1: break, Stephen. Not that I can. So send in your questions and we'll answer it together next week. Uh, email themoneycafe at eurekareport.com.au. So I'm Alan Kohler, founder of Eureka Report, finance presenter on the ABC News and columnist for The New Daily.
0: And I'm Stephen Mayne and we will see you in a fortnight. Over and out.